All right, good morning, good birds. I see there are several here early getting the worm, and we appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us this fine Sunday morning. It is 9.02 here in cold southern Missouri, and you are listening to the Nassau Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart. That's why you're here. Marty Leeds, thank you all for being here this morning. We always appreciate to see the good birds. So we do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's what we do. And today we're going to continue on in the book of Mark, or excuse me, in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 25, the parable of the ten virgins. And I thought, you know, I, I told this when I, when I looked at this, oh, I looked this over the other, um, like last Monday or something like that, and I told Jennifer, I was like, oh, this one will be easy, no problem. <laughs> Two days later, <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff going on in this chapter, and it is very mathy. Because it's the ten virgins, we're going to be dealing with Kabbalah today, and so there's a ton of math, and there's just nothing we can do about it. We have to hit it. It's all what this chapter is all about. So we're going to jump in, and it's going to be good. So I think we're going to do uh, 25 this week, and then we'll do 26 next week. And then, um, yeah, we were hoping to get Matthew done by, by Christmas, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But that's no big deal. That's no big deal. So we've got lots of other books to do. We're going to do John. We're going to do Revelation. We're going to pick, you know, go into the Old Testy a little bit. So, all right, let's move forward. First, we're going to do the prayer. Oh my God, I offer thee all of my actions of this day for the intentions and for the glory of the sacred heart of Jesus. I desire to sanctify every beat of my heart, my every thought, my simplest works by uniting them to his infinite merits. And I wish to make reparation for my sins by casting them into the furnace of his merciful love. Oh my God, I ask of thee for myself and for those who I hold dear the grace to fulfill perfectly thy holy will, to accept for love of thee, the joys and sorrows of this passing life so that we may one day be united together in heaven for all eternity. Amen. Okay, that's a pretty good one. That's a sweet prayer right there. Um, okay. Let me, let me, uh, let me fa- say a few things before we get going here. Next year, we, we're um, planning on doing a lot of things. Um, we'll get our PMA situated. Like I said, we've got the books that we're going to release, hopefully, in, looks like, January, um, you know, basically right after Christmas. And then we're already thinking about, we already have another idea for a children's book. And so we're probably going to, hopefully, if it all works out, we'll do another one of those this, uh, this next year. We were also talking about putting a book of prayers together, like a, either a little book that, you know, all the prayers that we've done, and just uh, put that out as a PDF for free, or if you want to buy it, that's that's cool. And then we also have um, the uh, Disciples of the Zodiac, which I'm going to work on. And so we hope to every year at least put out, you know, two or three books. That's kind of the the schedule that I'd like to keep, if not more. Um, so, and that's what we've done the last couple of years, and we're just going to keep that schedule up. So um, always look forward to things here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, because we're just going to keep on keeping on. That's how we do it. So, okay, let's jump into it. Matthew chapter 25. And there's some math in here that I had to check it several times because I was like, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? And so when we'll show today, yes, the Bible is very serious. So, all right, let's do this. So Matthew chapter 25, numero uno, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto 10 virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Okay. It's the first five verses here is going to take a little while to pick apart, and then we'll get into this because we have to cover a lot of ground. Like as you can see, all the all the um, the terms that I've highlighted there, you need to know what they mean. What is the, what is the kingdom of heaven? What are the ten virgins? What are the lamps? What's the bridegroom? We got the wise and foolish. All the oil. What is all this sort of stuff? We'll cover every bit of it as we do. So, 
First things first, the kingdom of heaven shall be like unto ten virgins. What are the ten virgins? This is Kabbalah, my friends. This is what Kabbalah is all about. What is Kabbalah? It is ultimately, it is a, a spiritual path. Um, that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, um, it is a study, of course, and it is the study of number symbolism. And that's really what it is and how those numbers have correlates into geometry and how you find them in the world and that those living, that's that really what they are is living principles of God that actually, um, that God uses to help construct this universe, this world. So the kingdom of heaven is what they're basically saying here is in the, in the parabolic or metaphoric way that they do, in the symbolic way that they do, the 10 virgins, of course, the 10 pure principles that come right from God, right? In this sort of sense, right? The kingdom of heaven is likened unto Kabbalah. It's likened unto the 10 emanations of God. And what are those 10 emanations? You can look at it either as either 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, or 1, 1 to 10, basically. When you get to 10, basically all you are is back to 0 and you add the 1. And that's where basically the whole thing starts over again. So we know from the basics of number symbolism of Kabbalah that those, those, uh, all numbers can be reduced to the numbers 1 through 9. And then the zero becomes this the sort of placeholder. So what is Kabbalah? It is the cube of God, Allah, God meaning Allah, Allah, that sort of thing. Of course, this is, um, you know, when you get to the etymology, the El, Allah, that's all the same. So the cube of God, that's what it means. And so that's, that's what they're going to talk about today. They're specifically re referring to the 10 emanations of God. We've covered the 10 emanations of God quite a bit. They're right in front of us, as we'll find today. That's pointing right to your hands. Um... um Here's, basically, we covered this in a, I forget what lecture this was. I think the geometry of good thinking, I think, is what we talked about this. But basically, these, these, these basic numbers that God has put right in front of us give us the dimensionality of our creation. You know, we have zero, which is no dimensions. We have one, which gives us one point. It could be infinitely large, infinitely small. It's a totality, it's a totality, it's a unity, that sort of thing. You divide that totality and unity. That's the first separation. You have that division. That's the number two. You don't actually get spatial geometry, even two-dimensionally, until you get to the holy and complete holy trinity, the number three, which naturally gives you what? The, the principles of three becoming one. So... Right there, you have, you know, zero, one, two, three, and then you you start climbing up that number line. Climb young ladder up the number, climb, excuse me, climb young lamb up the number ladder. Seek your answers and question what you find, is what Claudia Favona said. So zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's your ten emanations. These are the ten virgins. And all, all higher numbers can be reduced down to one of the original ten numerals. And this is called Kabbalistic reduction. Okay, so these ten, these 10 virgins that they're referring to is the 10 emanations of God. They're called the 10 Sephiroth, and Sephiroth even has its, um, its root in the word ciphers. As if you, want, if you want to decipher this world and figure it out, God gave you 10 ciphers, if you will, and he put them right in front of you. When you read Kabbalistic literature, and you don't go into it like most people do and like try to seek out the devil and stuff like that and just read it for the genuine article of what it is, this is what you're going to find. They'll just tell you. They'll just straight up tell you, hey, what are the 10 Sephiroth? These numbers, they represent, they're not actually the numbers, but they represent, of course, because numbers are just, you know, things that we put on a page and that sort of stuff, but they're the living principles of God. The Sefer, the Sefer which is the book of creation, defines the 32 paths, Christ equals 32 in English, but as the 10 Sephiroth and 22 letters, but it doesn't have to be 22 letters, it can be, you know, whatever letters of the alphabet that you're using, as we know, there's 26 in, in English. So the word Sephira uh, literally means counting. It is thus distinguished from the word mispar, meaning number. Although the sephiroth are said to represent the ten basic digits, they are not actually numbers. Rather, they are the sources from which the numbers originate. So what we're, ta what we're basically talking about is that they're represented as numbers, but what are they? They're these transcendental supernatural principles that are live. 
Okay, so they're not just these, like I like to say, cold, dead artifacts of the creation. And these things are, as you can say, this comes right from the Sefer Yatsir, Bina, Kitar, Gevura, Shakma, Hod, Yesod, Yesod, Tifereb, Malkud, Netzet. They, they put them on your hands. On the left and on the right, right there, polarizing the ten sephiroth through the ten fingers, because they're naturally polarized, if you will. And then this comes right from the Sefer Yetzirah, ten sephiroth of nothingness, in the number of ten fingers, five opposite five, with the singular covenant, precisely in the middle, in the circumcision of the tongue, in the circumcision of the membrane. This, these ten sephiroth, if you will, come out of the nothingness of before creation. So these are, when, when you understood and understand them Kabbalistically, what they are is the thoughts of God. These were existing in the mind of God before God unleashed materiality and said, let there be light and created the material world in which we exist now. Ten sephiroth out of nothing. Ten and not nine. Ten and not eleven. The importance of ten. Understand in wisdom and be wise in understanding. <laughs> Examine them. Investigate them. This is what I mean. This is they're, they're, They just straight up tell you. Go into numbers. Examine them. Learn them. Question them. And understand them. And what you're going to be investigating is the supernatural principles that that God uses to create this world. Think clearly in form. Place the word above its creator and reinstate a creator upon his foundation. And they are the 10 extending beyond limit. So when you look out at your, uh, let, me, let me finish reading this. Observe them, they appear like a flash. Their boundary has no limit for his word is with them. And they ran and returned. And they pursue his saying like a whirlwind, like a vortex. And they prostrate themselves, bend themselves before his throne. The the, when, when God formed this world and decided how it was going to work, he, you know, in this sort of sense, he belted out these ten emanations of God. And those things are flowing right through your very fingertips. Okay? The end of creation, if you will, comes right out the, the tip of your phalanges. Okay? Now, this is, when people talk about Kabbalah, they assume that a lot of times it's just like Jewish mysticism and stuff like that. But when you get into it and realize it's number symbolism, then you can see that, oh, this shit was happening all over the world. There was lots and lots of cultures that absolutely recognized this universal transcendental truth that God was put right in front of us. One of them being, oh, those Pythagoreans. This is the Tetractus. I'll show you the Tetractus is this. Excuse me. This is the Tetractus. It's just one, two, three, four. It's, and you add it together and it equals ten. And so there's this importance of the, the number 10. This is just the triangulation of that. And so the Pythagoreans held this and revered this for some odd reason. We're going to understand that odd reason today. They had a prayer for it. Listen to this prayer. Bless us, divine number, thou who generated gods and men. <laughs> o holy, holy, to practice that which contains the root and source of the eternal flowing creation for the divine number begins with a profound pure unity until it comes to the holy four. Then it begets the mother of all, the all-comprising, all-bounding, the firstborn, the never-swerving, the never-tiring Holy Ten, the key holder of all. God put the key to the mysteries right in front of you. That's the, that's the great reveal. The kingdom of heaven is at hand as we know. It's been right in front of you. This is what Agrippa had to say. Uh, Henrik Cornelius Agrippa had to say about the number 10. God, therefore, the first unity or one thing, before he communicated himself to the inferiors, diffused himself into the first of numbers, visa the number three. Just like, it, just like we can see with the geometric construction of our universe, zero, one, two, oh, now we get to the three. Now we got somewhere. Now we've got that holy trinity, okay? This is understood not combing through the dusty pages of the old good book. This is understood by simply looking what's right in front of you and doing the geometry. That's what's so beautiful. God didn't leave us cast out in a world of, you know, no answers and no meaning. No, he put it right in front of us and just asked us to understand what's in front of us, you know. 
from the number three, then into the number 10. As in 10 ideas and measures of making all numbers and all things, hence the Hebrews call the 10 attributes or the 10 emanations and account 10 divine names, for which cause there cannot be a further number, which is basically just saying once you get past nine, once you get past nine those original 10 digits, what is he saying? What's Agrippa saying? Kabbalistic reduction. You go to 10, it becomes one. You go to 11, it becomes two. You go 12, it becomes three. Because what? 10 is one plus zero is one. 11 is one plus one is two. 12 is one plus two is three. Hence, all 10s have some divine thing in them. You mean like your 10s? You mean like the 10s that God put right in front of you and he's saying that there's something divine in you? He's correct. And in the law are required of God as his own together with the first fruits as the original of things and beginning of numbers and every 10th is the end given to whom, given to him, who is the beginning and end of all things. It's basically saying what? It's the first unity. It's a circle. It comes right back around to itself and that's what it represents. So these are the parable of the 10 virgins. So this is um, just some different... Um, illustrations of this. There's Blake and the Ten Virgins. Okay. This is on, um, I don't know where these are, but I think I have one from Strasbourg here, the entrance of Strasbourg, and you can see they, they mimic this idea. So this is the entrance in, uh, you'll see this in several cathedrals. There's another one. You got the virgins on the left. There's the wise and the foolish, and we'll cover that in just a second. This is, this was when in, uh, this is our, this, um, this is in Strasbourg in France. And this is outside one of those large doors that the giants probably built because they're huge doors. And you can see there's five on the left here, and then there's this Vescopisis kind of arch over top. And we should all know about the Vescopisis at this point. What is, what is happening here is we're going to learn from this, this, um, this chapter today. The, the left and the right are merging at the top, aren't they? They're coming together at the top. They're forming that arch at the top. So you got the, the five on the left and the five on the right. And what do they represent? The supernatural principles that create this, this world. That's the entrance into the, into the chapel, into the temple. Interesting, isn't it? You guys know Kairothesia? Kairothesia? I'm, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly because, you know, my pronunciation is terrible, but that's okay. What is Kairothesia? It's, and I actually was just learned about this uh, probably like a month ago when I spoke to somebody who runs uh, the largest, uh, Dr. Anthony James is his name. He runs the largest um, Native American church uh, essentially in the world. He helps out a lot of like lot smaller ministries get out of the, you know, thumb of the government and stuff like that. He was the one that actually taught me this, and it's Kairothesia, and it's basically the imposition of hands as in, as in the ecclesiastical rites of confirmation and ordination. But you know, when you talk about the laying on of hands or the imposition of hands or the, the healing of the hands and stuff like that, like Jesus laid his hands on this person and healed, basically what they're trying to do is point to you the power that we have inherently within the human being as, as it flows out of our fingertips. And this is exactly what they mean when they say, and as you go, uh, you know, as you go uh, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is where? Right in front of you. Right in front of you. Uh, and what can you do with these hands? At least according to that holy Bible, all right? It says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, and freely ye have received, freely you give. Hence why, if we receive at this church, we give. That's what we, we don't just hide it up or anything like that. We give this out to those that are willing to listen. And this is why they say the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because those ten virgins are right in front of you, Okay? Now, let's go back here. <clears throat> then shall the kingdom of heaven be like an unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet 
the bridegroom? What is the lamps? The lamp is, of course, I think we all understand, it's the light within us. It's the light within us, okay? Um, this comes from, who is this? This is God, Man, the Word Made Flesh by um, George Carey and uh, Inez Perry, I think is the names. Um, and the lamp, therefore, is the lamb. The lamp, therefore, is the light. Notice the word lamp, L-A-M-P, and L-A-M-B, lamb, right? Okay, so we're all talking about what's this light within us? It's Christ. What is, it rep- what is Christ represented as? The light. What is he also represented as? As. The Lamb. Okay, cool. So this all makes sense, right? So the optic, this, this is a great book. Um, this, uh, once again, the central eye here. The optic thalamus, the central eye in the center of the head is both called the lamp, the light, and the lamb. And of course, we know what is the top of our head. That's Aries. That's the lamb. That's the ram. The thalamus, the chamber, is a mass of gray matter at the base of the cerebrum projecting into and bounding the third ventricle. Now, this is going to be extremely important moving forward. Okay, the next line, extremely important. Listen to what it says. The Hebrew letters Lamed, Aleph, Mem, and Beth mean in their order. This is what they mean in their order. Overcoming father, mother, and house, or some materialized form. So the word, when we translate lamb, Right to the Hebrew, when we go to those letters, it tells us specifically if we want to turn on that lamp, if we want to turn on that lamp, that light within us, apparently, what we have to do, according to, um, once again, um, original Hebrew, overcome the father and the mother in your house. Does everybody read that? Okay, because that's going to lead right to the next thing, and that's the bridegroom. While P in the lamp gives a different meaning, P from the 17th letter of the Hebrew alphabet is what? It's pi. <laughs> it's pay. It means speech or that which radiates or goes forth. Just as we understand that pi is a, is a mathematical representation of the word of God, of that light that was spoken in the beginning of creation, spoke out of the mouth of God. Okay? It radiates and goes forth. In the tarot, it's referred to as the force which dispenses the essence of life. That's true. Which gives it the means of perpetually renewing its creations after destruction. Wait a second. You mean like the Trinity? Yes. One may speak destructively and then having seen the light is able to speak constructively. Wait a second. Didn't we just talk about this? The fact that we're all magicians, that we all create what we speak and that we can either be the light magician or the dark magician. We can either go the way of the foolish or the way of the wise as we're going to understand, right? And so it's saying, hey, uh, you have that power. You have that light within you. Thus we see how it it also means rays or light, etc., etc. Rays, the light, the lamb, the lamp. The essence of life within us is the oil. And we'll talk about that moving forward. The oil is what feeds this lamp or causes it to give light. You can see the symbology working here. It is carried up the place with this lamp or candle, which the Bible refers to as, which is the optic within the thalamus, referred to as above. Okay? So this lamp, this lamb, this lamp, this is the thing we travel up, the, the light that travels up within our body and goes all the way to the top of what? Our polaris, our polaris, as we'll, as we'll come to find, right? So this whole idea of the light traveling up with you has a correlation to the cosmos, as we know, and we'll see that moving forward. So when we talk about, hey, we want to take that light all the way, that oil, that oil all the way up to feed the lamp that's in the top of our head so that what? We can become enlightened. So we can come, we can go through that process of apotheosis, Okay, so what's in the top there? That's our lamb. That's our lamp. That's the that's Christ. That's Christ within us in the top. This is the lamb. 
This is lamb in English. So these just just as we have an order um, of the alphabet, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Everybody knows the song I'm singing, right? So the, L is the 12th letter. A is the first letter. M is the 13th letter. And B is the second letter. We'll just reduce those numbers down. This is just the order in which the alphabet unfolds. L is 12. A is 1. M is 13. And B is 2. Reduce those down. 12 becomes 3. 1 stays 1. 13 becomes 4. And B, 2 remains 2. What is that? It's 3, 1, 4, 2. It's a direct reference to what? <laughs> Pi. Pi. Okay? So there's that. So let me go back here and say this one more time. Notice it says the Hebrew letters Lamed, Aleph, Mem, and Bath mean in their order overcoming the father and the mother and house. In other words, what's the house? That's the temple. That's where, that's where God is residing, in his house, in within you. And then the lamb, the lamp that says you have to overcome that mother and father. That's what it means. Okay, now let's read the next line. Right from Matthew, and it says, Then shall be the kingdom of heaven be likened unto the Kabbalah. Ten emanations of God, which took their light of Christ within them, the lamp within them, and went forth to meet what? The bridegroom. The bridegroom. What does the bridegroom, bridegroom ultimately represent? It represents overcoming the mother and the father. It's exactly what the bridegroom represents. The bridegroom, what is a bridegroom? It's a man who is about to be married or has been recently married, as we know, a man who has just been or is about to be married. Okay, so what is the bridegroom though? The term itself, right? You could be a groom or you could be a bride, right? But then you could become this sort of bridegroom thing because you end up becoming twain, becomes one flesh kind of thing, right? So the word bridegroom itself is what? It's marrying what? The mother and the father, the male and the female. The yin and the yang, the sheep and the shakti, the Adam and Eve within you. River run past even down some swerve of shore to bend a bay, brings us by commodities and vikings for circulation back to Howth Castle where Trist ran by O Lord Amor from over the short sea. Remember when we talked about, we, we read from James Joyce, it's the first fucking line in Finnegan's Wake. It's like River Run past Stephen Adams. It tells you about that unity of opposites, that coincidence repositorum that we exist within in our material dimension, that there's those opposites that we need to unite. Those opposites are represented by the male and female. You're created by male and female energy. You have to recognize those energies within you and, as I like to say, merge them into the one celestial beam of faith. This is understood in alchemy as the hydros gamos. It's called the alchemical marriage, the alchemical wedding. This is a psycho-spiritual process that you must undergo in your quest to get back to God. Why? Because God is unity. When we look at the man and the woman, the sun and the moon, those are representing the separation. And what you need to do is unify all those things and recognize where they came from. They came right from the mouth, the pie of God Almighty. And you want to merge all those things psychologically and bring them back to one. And this is, a once again, a psycho-spiritual process that you must undergo. It's known as, once again, the hierosgamos or the hierogami, uh, I think is how you say that. It's the holy marriage. It's a sexual ritual that plays out a marriage between a god and a goddess, especially when enacted in a symbolic ritual where the human participates, rep human participants represent the deities, okay? So this is, this is actually, by the way, I'm not gonna get into this right now, what, what quote unquote sex magic is really about. It actually has nothing to do with physical sex at all, nothing. It has to do with metaphysical sex, and that's uniting the opposites within you. This is, once again, I'll show a bunch of diff different illustrations that this is the key of alchemy. If you don't understand this fundamental of alchemy, you don't understand alchemy because if you get into the alchemical manuscripts, this is all you'll see again and again. They will plaster this. They'll show you that there's a man and a woman that's merged into one. I know we've covered this many times, but this is, how, this is what the Bible is explicitly talking about. 
you know, go to a, a literalist and tell me, why are we marrying with Christ and why is he the bridegroom and why are we going into a marriage? What is going on here? Alchemy all day long. You can see a man and woman, right? Of course, there's the, there's the, there's the, the death, of course, the death and the rebirth of the new self. There's the man and woman coming together in the alchemical vessels so that they can rise and become the phoenix out of the ashes, if you will. There's the alchemical rebus. That rebus, he knows what he's doing. That rebus right there knows what he's doing. He's got to merge the man and woman. He's going to use the holy number seven, which is right above him in the, in the, in the celestial orbs, the, the, the planets. And he's standing on the dragon because he slayed that motherfucker. He's got the compasses in square because he knows. He knows what he's got to do. He's got to go into that mathematical arts in order to understand the, the ten emanations that are Wait a second, that he's, he's holding those, the, the ten emanations, he's got his hands, he's holding the compasses in square. What's, on, what's he standing on? That, you know, the, um, what do you call it? the the Egyptian disc, the, the, the winged disc that flies up into heaven, and it's got the three and four there. It's a circle and a square, and they're in a triangle. You see what's going on here, right? This is alchemy, okay? Same thing, merging of the man and woman into one. That, that right there in the center, they got the dove coming down, touching the six points in the center and the seven, you see? See what's going on here? So let me, let me just show you this. Because they're talking about, hey, we got the ten virgins. We're on, we're on verse one right now. It's a half hour. With ten virgins, they got the lamp, and then they're going to meet the bridegroom, right? The bridegroom is the alchemical marriage. This is all, we talked last week about the Holy Rosary. Why do we wear the Holy Rosary? The 59 beads of the Holy Rosary. Well, here's another half dozen reasons why, almost. Jesus Christ equals 59. English alphabet equals 59. Feminine and masculine, which is what you need to unite within you, equals 59. Alchemical wedding equals 59. Alchemical marriage equals 59. This is all about the unity of opposites. The, 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 whole, the holy marriage, the hieroscamos, is all about this. This comes from Jung. The answer of the mother world shows that the gulf between it and the father world is not unbridgeable. Seeing that the unconscious holds the seed of the unity of both. We could just stop right there. That says enough right there. You see exactly what Carl Jung is saying? Is exactly what the alchemist is saying? It's exactly what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is saying. The essence of the conscious mind is discrimination. It must, if it is to be aware of things, separate the opposites. And it does this contra naturum. The, through, through nature. In nature, the opposites seek one another. Less extremes, let's excuse me. And so it is in the unconscious and particularly in the archetype of unity, the self. The self. Bringing those opposites together within what? You. Here, as in the deity, the opposites cancel out. They become what? The total unity of God. But as soon as the unconsciousness begins to manifest itself, they split asunder as at the creation. That's exactly what happened. The unity of God at the creation split so that what we could have, we could have this, this experience, this obstacle course called life that we have to go through. For every act of dawning consciousness is a creative act and it is from this psychological experience that all our cosmogonic symbols are derived. From this experience, all of these symbols are derived. And once again, he's 100% right because when you get into alchemy, you can't understand any of these symbols unless you what? Understand the unity of opposites. This is exactly what Revelation talks about when you, get to the, when you get home to God. And the city, which is the cube, as we'll see, moving forward, and the city had no need for the sun, neither of the moon. doesn't need the sun and the moon because why? The, the sun and the moon have merged into one under the totality of God Almighty. Let me read this again. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. 
for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The Lamb is that lamp. It's the light that's going to guide you and unify all the opposites. And the nations of which them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring the glory and honor to it. We all, if you're a king and you're glorious at all in this world, the only thing that you're going to be doing is honoring God Almighty. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. Why is there no night? Because there's no night and day anymore. It's just day all day long. It's just the light and the lamp of Christ all day long. Merging, this is the central spiritual work that you need to undergo here. And that's merging these uh, the, these, the, um, these aspects within the self, understanding your external self, that you're either a man or a woman, you have to play that role. We understand that. We're not talking about the physicality here. We're talking about the metaphysicality here, okay? As we know, you have to embody all these things, the aspects of the feminine and the masculine. And we've talked about this before. I'll just read several of these. Feminine, what are feminine? This nurturance, sensitivity, sweetness, supportiveness, gentleness, warmth, passivity, cooperativeness. Those are things that are usually feminine aspects. You mean a man can't be nurturing and sensitive and sweet and supportive and gentle? Of course he can. Now, if he is those things and he doesn't have the independence, the dominance, the aggression, the protector, the provider, the strength, the courage, then he's going to be a little pansy boy, isn't he? Yes, he is. So what do we need to have in order to be the holistic being, in order to unify those opposites, everything? You have to embody all these things. That's a tall order. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> that's, what, that's what God's serving up, okay? It's not supposed to be easy. This is what this whole book uh, called um, Shameless Plug. This is my book, The Alchemical Writings of Claudia Pavonis. This entire book is essentially about this, about how I underwent this process psychologically. And this is where Claudia Pavonis comes from, if you guys are wondering. This is recognizing, oh, I've got those feminine aspects within me. I understand I'm a male on the outside. I understand what I have to do in the physical world. But internally, what's going on, man? And that's what this whole book is about. Okay, so now that we've got past numero uno, <laughs> we needed to lay all that out in order to understand the rest of it. So we understand what the kingdom of heaven is. We understand what the virgins are. We understand what the lamp is. And we understand what the bridegroom is. We understand the light that's within us. We understand that we have to go undergo that unity of opposites and that sacred marriage. Let's go to number two. And five of them are wise and five of them are foolish. Well, what are we, we already know we're looking at our hands. We already know that we're looking at the 10 emanations of God. That means on the left side, we've got the foolish. We've got that left hand path, which is the foolish path. And on the right, we got that right-hand path, which is the path towards God. Of course, when in the left and right-hand path, this is understood in, in mystical literature. The terminology is used by various groups involved in the occult and ceremonial magic. In some definitions, the left-hand path is equated with malicious black magic, just like we talk about, while the right-hand path is equated with benevolent white magic, just like we talk about. We did a whole live stream on it on, uh, what was it called? Um, the word that breaks all magic spells with that word being, of course, Jesus Christ. What is this left-hand path and right-hand path talk meaning? What is this, what is this all about? Negative and positive energy in one sense. In, in, in this respect, it's um, going towards the will of God and going against the will of God. Okay? So what's the left-hand path? It's dishonest, it's complaining, it's selfish, it's sadness, it's lazy, it's jealousy, it's, it's hate, it's procrastination, it's being fake, it's hopelessness, it's stress, it's ego, it's greed, it's violence, it's fear, it's inferiority, it's loneliness. That's your left-hand path. And you can decide to do all that. Spent many years on that path. In, in despair and putting myself down and all this other shit. There's, and then there's the right-hand path. 
And we still fight with this all the time. All of us will fight with this. It doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey because especially if you're, you're, you've, you've made some progress on your spiritual journey, that means that Satan's going to want, you know, Satan's going to want to come after you. So he's going to want to keep pushing you on that left-hand path. What's the right-hand path? Giving, forgiving, honesty, trust, motivated, gratitude, passionate, inspired, selfless, diligent, creative, responsible, supportive, peaceful, confident. That's your left-hand and right-hand path. That's just decide if you're going to live in despair or not in one sense. Okay? You're going to follow the, what God wants you and what not. Wise and foolish, this is the terms that they use. I'm going to show you how all of this is 100% Kabbalistic. And five of them are wise and five of them are foolish. And they keep using these terms, foolish, wise. I highlighted them there. Well, foolish and wise both equal 49. Why is that important? Because 49, everybody see this? Wise and foolish is your left and right hand path because 49 is nothing more than 7 squared. 7 times 7 is 49. 7 squared is 49. How do you get that? Well, you just use the cipher. You see it in the left hand, uh, bottom left hand corner there? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. In order to get 49, 7 squared, all you do is you add 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 plus 6 plus 5 plus 4 plus 3 plus 2 plus 1, and you get 49. Just in those two terms, they're actually giving you the mathematics to what? The cipher right below there. And where is that cipher? It's on your hands as well. <clears throat> And they were they and so and they that were foolish twenty five three took their lamps and took no oil with them, okay. Oh wait, let me let me stop let me stop and say something here quick. I'm sorry. Let me say something real quick. Let's explain this. Why the left hand path and why the right hand path? Why explain this to me, Marty? Why is the right hand path the good way and the left hand some sort of bad way? What where does this come from? There's got to be an explanation for this. Well, I'm going to give you my best explanation. It talks about when you, when you face the throne, when you face north, you're facing, the, you're, you're looking towards Polaris, you're looking towards, and this is even how it's shown in old Hebraic cosmology and cosmologies across the world, actually. What you'll see in the center of that dome up there is what? It's God. It's the heaven of heavens, right? And that's where you, uh, up and out of this place, you reunify with God. That's the whole, you know, unity of, of opposites and boom. And that, that's, that's, rep that's represented by the North Star, which is Polaris. Polaris represents the point in our cosmology where the soul travels up and out of the firmament into total unity with God Almighty. Okay? So, when we face the throne, when we face the throne, what happens? Well, on our right, so we're going to face there, you can see there right above Draco there, Cygnus and Draco there, right in the north is that North Star. It's in the center. I should have pointed out, but you can see it. If we look to our right, what's happening? It's the east. That's where everything's rising. So we're facing God. We're facing the north. We're facing his throne, his almighty throne. We look to our right and what's happening? Everything's rising. Everything's being born. Light's shining anew. That's where the sun rises. That's where everything is coming up and rising up. Just as we are to arise with Aries up to the lamp, to the lamp of our what? Of our, you know, our ram on top of our head. That's what we need to do in our spiritual life. This is what we do when we face the north. When facing the throne of the king, everything arises from the right. And we're going to see this moving forward. And he shall set his sheep on his right hand and his goats on the left. And we'll see that in moving forward. So um, this is actually um, like throne and north are very close. And when you see this, um, in fact, um, 
uh, Chance Brew the Pious over at Interverse, they were just talking about this when they, we did a show with David Matheson. They were talking about throne and north. It's very close, right? So we sit, uh, the king sits on his throne in the center of everything. Oh, okay. No, that's actually a place in our cosmology. Throne, by the way, is the exact same math as the one. The one. You mean the one true God that sits in the center of everything? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so there's your left and right hand path. Face God and everything's going to be rising from the right. Do you want to be going down into the earth? No, you don't. You want to be rising up to God, right? Okay. So that makes sense, huh? Makes sense to me anyway. Okay. So now five of them are wise, five of them are foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps. They took that light, but they didn't take any oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. What's the vessels? The humans, of course, it's the human body. That oil, what is the oil? This is, once again, very well known in esoterica. They, they, they don't even mince words. They just straight up tell you what that oil is. It's your cerebral spinal fluid. Christ, the term Christ means the anointed, and it's a reference to oil. To anoint means to, it's a, in fact, chrism is oil mingled with balm, and to anoint is to smear oil on, right? So when you talk about the chrism, the Christ, the oil, that's what it, that's what it means. It's Christ. It's that Christ, chrism oil. And that's your cerebral spinal fluid. It means oil, and oil, the word oil, etym- and, and, you know, etymologically, actually comes from olive. Okay? So they took the, these, these virgins, the wise and foolish ones, they took their oil, some, they didn't bring oil, and some did. In other words, some had Christ, some were undergoing their spiritual work with Christ Almighty, and some weren't. And ultimately, what do they want to do? They want to head up into that Polaris, that Polaris in the top with that oil. Okay, well, that's exactly what the Mount of Olives is. It's, it's literally called the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is, separates the most holy place, the Temple Mount, the, the, the top of your temple, from the Judean desert of the east. We know it to be the place from which Jesus, the Messiah, ascended into heaven. This is a specific place in our cosmology which represents or reflects what? The cosmological um, you know, microcosm of you, that anthropocosm that is you, the zodiac man. Okay, so you're going to take that oil and you're going to take it up the <clears throat> Mount of Olives because that's what oil comes from. It comes from olives. And what is the Mount of Olives? It, leaves, it leads right up to what? Polaris. Polaris. Reading from God, Man, the Word Made Flesh once again. Uh, well, we'll do that in just a second. I'm sorry. This is the anointed oil. In Greek, it's krishma. was originally the verbal noun, the act of anointing or unction to anoint. By extension, along with krima or, or krishta, and later krishma. And then, of course, when we talk about, we go to the Hindu stuff and we say, oh, wait, don't they have a word? Yes. And the word was, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with Brahman, and Brahman was God, or blah, blah. Wait, wait, what? Is that what it says? Yes. And then they have a God called Krishna, right? Yes. <laughs> See what I'm saying? See, what, this is what we do at the Gnostic Church. We puncture right through all of the exoteric and get right to the esoteric and say, do we have problems with Hindus? Why would we? They celebrate Christ too. That oil, and we'll get to the cerebral spinal fluid in just a second here, that oil, just look at the terminology. How do we continually talk about how we raise that oil up? How do we do it? Well, you can't just get all smart and scholarly and have a head full of nonsense because then you're just going to be top heavy. You're just going to fall over. No, no, no. In order to raise that oil up, you need to be balanced. In fact, that's what the unity of opposites is, is left and right sort of balanced and becoming one kind of thing, right? Merging right back with the creator. How do we lift that oil? Through heart work. We talk about it all the time. 
We consistently come back to the fact that, hey, you're not going to be able to get that oil, that, that, that light up into that head unless you first purify that heart. And hence why oil and lion, <laughs> right, pretty dang close, right? How about Leo? This is the constellation Leo. Oil and Leo are pretty much mathematically the same. Do you know what Leo is in English Gematria? 252. Do you know what oil is in English Gematria? 252. Noel, 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 Noel. What is that? Oil, oil, Christ, Christ. <laughs> you see that? So what is this referring to? As we know, it's your spinal fluid. It's the colorless fluid that goes around your brain and spinal cord. It cushions those organs, picks up needed supplies from your blood, and gets rid of waste products from the brain cells. This is this, your, 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 your brain is sort of bathed in this quote-unquote oil, and it goes up and down your spinal column. And this is physio physiologically exactly what happens. Now, this, is, um, this is, comes from, once again, God, man, the word made flesh. It says, the fluid oil or marrow which flows down the spinal cord comes from the upper brain, the creator or the father, the most high, and is known in physiology as the ovum or the generative seed. So when it's like the word is the seed of God and all that sort of stuff, all that other terminology that's, that's in the Bible, this is what it means. That life essence which creates the human form of the corruptible flesh. In the Greek from the New Testament, which was translated this marrow, was called the Christ. It's the chrism, which is the Greek word for oil. When this oil is refined, transmuted, lifted up, raised, it becomes so highly vitalized that it regenerates the body and overcomes the last enemy, death. How can it be lifted up? How do we lift this oil up? By lifting up the son of man, the seed, the word, the savior, the oil, the Christ, the chrism in the spinal cord is the salt, which is mentioned in the Bible, and the savior is the seed or Jesus. It even goes on to say... Um, the, the chemical formula of the oil is John, and Jesus was baptized or anointed of John, not by John, as it is incorrectly quoted. It's of, like, you know, in this sort of sense, anointed of John. When we understand that John is what? In the, in the zodiac man, what is he? Scorpio, which is at what? The sacrum or the base of your spine. And then you're supposed to lift it up, Correct. It's all kind of fallen into place now, huh? So this is, all of this is focused on, of course, the spinal column, which is 33 bones and all of that. We know that. We're not going to get into that. But, and this is the, this is the, the crux of, um, you know, at least physiologically, um, spiritual work, okay? This is also why you have Crisco, Crisco, pure vegetable oil. I don't know if you guys have seen that before. That was something Manly Palmer Hall actually made that connection, I believe. So, so there it is. So this is uh, what we've got thus far. We got, the, we got the lamps, we got the bridegroom, we know what the ten virgins are, we, know, we understand what the left-hand path and the right-hand path is, the wise and the foolish. We, we understand what the oil is, we understand what the vessel is. Now, while the bridegroom tarried, which means hung around longer than he should have, they all slumbered and slept. In other words, Jesus is waiting for us. And at midnight... At midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him, 25.6 says. Okay, so why midnight? Once again, this is Kabbalistic, ladies and germs. Kabbalistic. Virology isn't real. <clears throat> Kabbalistic. Let's take a look at this. What is midnight? Well, basically, what is the basic, you know, 12 hours a day, 12 hours a night? When you hit midnight, what is it? We well, just went a 12-hour period. Okay, well, how? when we look at hours, we're talking about the sun, of course, that dictates the hours. What is that? 12 hours a day is what? How many seconds? 43,200. That's how many seconds 
are in 12 hours. It just struck midnight. Jesus was waiting for you all, but you were slumbering and sleeping. 43,200. Let's multiply Jesus. 4 times 5 times 6 times 6 times 6 is what? 4,320. That's just a multiplier of 10. You mean like the 10 virgins? What's the two cubes? Each cube is 2,160 degrees. You multiply the two cubes, the paradise. This is all Kabbalistic. Those are cubes, ladies and germs. 4,320. You multiply Jesus, 4,320. How many hours in 12, or how many seconds in 12 hours? At midnight, 43,200. <laughs> so at midnight, everything, every word in this Bible has meaning. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom come. The sacred marriage is ready. The holy marriage, he's, it, you get prepared. Go ye out to meet Christ and, and be ready for that marriage. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And when you trim your lamp, that's, you know, just getting ready to burn it, of course, right? 25.8 says, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. So the foolish go to the wise. They're like, Give us your oil. What do the wise say? But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Do you think you can go out and buy the oil of Christ? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. So we already see what the meaning of the parable is, is, is happening right in front of us. This is exactly what we covered, exactly to a T, what we covered when we did the whole Hiram Abiff and the Freemasonic um, ritual, right? What happened in that ritual? Well, those damn ruffians, those damn, those three Jews, they came to Hiram Abiff, the master mason who had the word, who had the lamp, who had the light. And what did they say? Give us your oil. Give us the secrets of the master mason. Give it to us instantly, he said. And what did, and, and what did Hiram Abiff say? No, not going to do it. You didn't earn it. Then after he do, they don't get the oil, what do those three Jews do? They go out and what do they do? They try to buy it. That's exactly what happens. It's like, oh, we don't have the master's word. We don't have that lamp and that light within us. We don't have Christ within us, but we do have some money. Can, can, will that work? Do you think it works? No. This, this is why I get so passionate about this. Everything that's being exemplified in this ritual is exactly what we're finding in Matthew 25 to a T. It's just told in a different fashion. Give us your oil. No, I can't give you oil. Number one, you didn't earn it, but if we give us your oil, if we give our oil to you, then we're not going to have enough for ourselves. What is, what is the message here? In, in, this is how I see this anyway. When you're, you know, in life we're taught to be charitable and, and, and give and, and always be in service and things like that, but if you're always in service to everybody else, and you don't take enough time for yourself, then what's going to happen to your home life? What's going to happen to your own spiritual life? It's going to start deteriorating because you're not taking care of what's home. You have to have a firm, a firm foundation before you can go out and give and give and give. In fact, I've seen this a lot in my own life and things like that where it's like, you know, you give out all your energy and you don't take enough time for yourself. And then what happens? Yeah, your oil burns out. And so they're saying, well, we can't give you our oil because then we're not going to have enough for ourselves. And you didn't earn it, so go buy it and see how that happens. See how that works for you. Go see if you can go to those money changers in the temple and buy a dove. See, what that, see how that works. So when being charitable, know that you cannot give everything to others. Otherwise, you will not have enough for yourself. And this, I call this not being self-centered. 
is but centering the self. You have to center yourself first and you have to have a firm foundation in which you can give and serve. And then when you do that, you, you do it with gusto and, and gumption and you do it with all your might, but you also have to recognize you can't burn out your own, all your oil because then what are you good for? Are you good for your wife? Are you good for your family? Are you good for your community? No. And then you're also giving your oil and your precious time and your light to people that don't deserve it. And while they went to buy, <laughs> good luck, the bridegroom came. The holy marriage happened when they went out and thought, oh, I don't actually have to do the work. I don't have to raise that light within myself. I don't have to turn that lamp on and raise that oil. I'm just going to go buy it. And while they were in their stupid heads thinking that, what happened? That's when Christ showed up. That's when Christ shows up and the holy marriage happens. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. And afterward, now listen, now this is, <laughs> this is so crazy. Wait, let's, let's actually stop and do a donation. Let me just say this and then we'll pass the basket and then we'll get back to this because it's insane. So the door was shut to the marriage. The foolish didn't get in. And this is afterward what says, 2511, it says, Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And we'll get right back to that. We're going to pass the basket right now. So uh, thank you all to people that do support the fine work that we do here at the Gnostic Academy. We, we really appreciate it. Um, we, start, we still are in our shed, just so you know. But it looks like this week is going to be the week. So hopefully um, we'll have um, better progress for you this next week. And we'll actually show you a... Uh, year. So anyway, if you would like to support the fine work we do, Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440, Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And if you'd like any donations, uh, buy, uh, buy me a coffee, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal. You can become a good bird at Subscribestar. So uh, once again, thank you to all the people that do support the work we do. We, we keep going by donations and book sales and things like that. And so, and you're allowing us to keep going, which is amazing. We'd like to grow. We'd like to keep going. We'd like to keep growing. So, and we can't do that without your support. So we really appreciate it.
All right, thank you so much to all the people that, oh, that do buy books and stop by and participate in the community and things like that. We really appreciate it. We really do. We thank you so much. Um, all right, let's keep going. Let's keep a rocking and a rolling. So let's go back to this. Okay, so guess what? Okay, let's go a little review. So the 10 versions came, they had the oil, the, the, some of them didn't, and then they were ready for the bridegroom to come, the holy marriage, and then they, you know, they, the, the, when they, you know, they went out and they went to go buy the oil, and then the door was shut, and then Jesus wouldn't let him back in because, of course, they, they, they didn't do the spiritual work. And then after all of this happens, this is what, <laughs> this is what they say. This is the next line, okay? Watch this. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. What does this equal in English gematria? It equals 216. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. The gematria total of this is 216, which is what? Six times six times six. When you go into the holy marriage of Christ, that means you're, you're going in to become enlightened. You're going to, be, you're, you're going to be entering into the joy of the Lord. You're going to be reunifying with God Almighty. You're going to be going into his city. His city. And do you know what the city is? It's the cube. It's the cube. The city of God is a cube. And the city lieth four square. And the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. It's a square. And then, of course, the dimensions of that square are what? The breadth and the height and the length are all equal. That's a cube. And then it even goes slyly and tells you, gives you even more references to tell you it's a cube. In the next line, when it says, and he measured the wall thereof in 144 cubits. We'll talk about that. With the, you know, we know the cubit is the arm and all that sort of stuff, but this is the subtle way in which they do this. According to the measure of man, that is of the angle of the angel of what? The emanations of God. The cube is represented by the number 666. Why? Well, there's six sides of a cube. It represents the up, down, left, right, forward, and reverse. It represents the three-dimensionality, the material space in which you walk through. Six sides of that cube, if you cube that, if you cube something, you multiply it three times. So six times six times six. Why is that important? Six times six times six is 216. How many degrees of the cube? 2160. You see all of these ways naturally that the cube gives you the number 666. And then we realize that that cube is the city. It's the polis. It's the city of God, just as it says in Revelation. And what happened to these virgins? They were not led into the city of God. And what's the number that's attached to them? 666. They didn't get in. But just as we know, just as the ruffians when we covered this, what's the funniest thing about this? Well, they had Christ within them all the time. They had 666 within them all the time. They just didn't do the spiritual work. So now, this is what it says. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Everybody read that. That whole line, as you can see right here, equals 216. That's a reference to the cube. Now, <laughs> this is what I couldn't believe. It's so crazy. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, and then this is what they said, highlighted in yellow there, Lord, Lord, open to us. What does this equal in English gematria? We see the whole line equals 216. That's a reference to the cube. This is what they actually said. Lord, Lord, open to us. 
Do you know what that equals in gematria? Like I said, a lot of math. 58. What's 58? Well, it's the addition of the first seven prime numbers. 2, 3, 5, 7, 11, 13, and 17. Everybody see that? Lord, Lord, open to us. This is what those virgins that got, that got kept out of the city of God, the door was shut to them. This is what they said. They are, the whole line equals 216. Then they said this. Lord, Lord, open to us. This equals 58. 58 is the product of the first seven prime numbers. Why is that important? Because when you square those first seven prime numbers, do you know what it equals? Six, six, six. 666 is encoded twice in the very verse in which they were locked out of the city or the cube of God. And what is ultimately the lesson? Where is that oil? Do you go outside of yourself to buy it, to find it? No. No, you don't. You have to go within. All of this was, in this, in this respect, the cube of God was in them the whole time. But they looked externally for it. And what ended up happening with them? Yeah, Christ wasn't there for them. Christ, Christ shut that door. <clears throat> this is why you find 666 in all of these different places. This is, it's a number of wisdom because it is one of the keys to unlock these great mysteries. Those, those, those virgins, the foolish ones, they didn't have the key. They didn't have the master's word. They didn't have the light. They didn't have the lamp. And so they couldn't get into the kingdom because they didn't know anything about the kingdom. The trinity, the equilateral triangle, what does it give you? 60, 60, 60. What is that? 666. Jesus, in, the, in his name in English and in Greek, 666. We can find it. The base 10 system, which is right in front of you, re reduce it down. We've done this a number of times. I'll just leave this on the board. We're not going to explain all this. Been, you know. 666, the, the, the periodicity of the sun. 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes an hour, 24 hours in a day. What does it reduce down to? 60 becomes 6, 60 becomes 6, and 2 plus 4 equals 6. This is 666 all day long. You mean to tell me that the devil created or runs the equilateral triangle or the base 10 system or the patterns of time? No. Devil don't do shit except try to trick you away from understanding those things. And that's exactly what Revelation says. Unbelievable. So that one line, 2511, 666 is encoded twice in it. 2512, but he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. You don't know me, I don't know you. If you don't know Christ within, I can't, I can't see you. I can't allow you in. And then it says this. This is the next line, 2513. This is just, it's when you read it, when you have the esoteric mind, you can see exactly what it's saying, and I'll show you here. And it says this. Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Okay? This is when we talk about, you guys are Gnostics and you think you know all this other stuff, but we also talk about the fact that a Gnostic knows what he cannot know. And he understands that and he holds that, you know, um, there, there's a certain divinity of, of recognizing that the, that the human being has limitations to what he can know, okay? So they're saying, just as we know, you're not going to know the day and the hour of the time. So always prepare yourself. Just as we talked about in the, the, you know, the world age doctrine and the tribulation and all that other stuff, it repeated it several times in there. You're not going to know the day and the hour. 
You could follow the patterns of the sky all you fucking want. But at the end of the day, you're not going to know when Christ shows up. So you have to prepare yourself always. You can't be going out trying to buy the stuff because you have to be reckoned. Oh, Jesus, he came at midnight. Oh, Jesus, I wasn't ready. Okay? So we know the things that we can't know and what we can know, we come to know intimately and thoroughly. Okay? That's what a Gnostic is all about. So here they're saying, watch, therefore, you're not going to know the day, the hour, wherein the Son of Man cometh. Let's take, let's take a look at the esoteric deconstruction of this verse here. Breaking down the esoteric language of 2513 here. What's the watch? Well, it's just like a watch on your hand or the watch, right? You, it's, you, you watch the sun rise and fall. You watch the patterns of time. It's a clock. It's a reference, a subtle reference to clock. What's the day? Well, it's determined by the sun. The day and night are determined by the pattern of the sun. When the sun rises, it's day. When it sets, it's night. The hour. What is the hour? Well, it's, of course, hour is a reference to Horus, which is a reference to the Son of God, which is, what's a, this, of course, determined by the sun. What is the sun, the S-O-N? It's the S-U-N. So let's take a look at this verse all again and say, watch, therefore, take a, you know, pay attention to the time. It's a reference to time. It's a reference to the fact that you want to get into eternal life, which is beyond time. For you know neither the day, reference to time, nor the hour, reference to time, which is all a reference to the sun. And then what does it end with? Wherein the Son of Man cometh. What's the Son of Man? As we have told, we've mentioned this, I don't know how many times throughout these live streams and these sermons, it's the light within you. It's exactly what they're talking about. The Lamb, the Lamb. Then it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country um, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Okay, this is where it gets even more mathy, but it's necessary to do because the Bible's giving you a bunch of math, so apparently you got to know the math. There's nothing you can do about it. 25.15, And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Of course, we know the straightway. I'm not going to cover that. That's the way. That's that, um, that, that the fluidity of the creation in which God's will flows through all things. And you just want to get aboard that. You just want to deny yourself, take up the cross, and be like, I'm on this ship, right? I'm in this flow state. That's what that straight way, the Tao, is, okay? So he gives five talents, he gives two, he gives one to every man according to his several ability. What is the talents, okay? Um, yeah, let's get that. We're not going to talk about that right now. Was one of the things I was going to cover, but that's okay. What are the talents that we see? The talent is, of course, just that the word talent means a natural aptitude or skill, but the archaic definition of this is a former weight and unit of currency used especially by the ancient Romans or Greeks. So, of course, the Bible uses this sort of double entendre or double meaning kind of thing in the, in the Bible all the time, as you just saw, son and S-O-N and S-U-N. That's the light that's within you. The word talent is no different. Of course, they're talking about weights and units of measure, of measure of gold and that sort of stuff, but also it's talking about your natural aptitude or skill. And hence why it even says, like, hey, um, according to his several ability, it's according to your abilities, okay? So this is what your talent is. And talent, etymolo etymologically, it means inclination, disposition, will, or desire. Inclination, leaning, you know, it, of course, it's balance, it's a weight, it's a sum of money, but it also means a balance, a pair of scales. Well, what is this whole thing talking about? Once again, ultimately, the balance of the, the unity of opposites. The recognition that the sun, the moon, the man, the woman, the sheep, the shakti, the Adam and Eve, the, 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 the you know, the, all those polarities, the acidic and the alkaline, all of that sort of stuff, positive, negative, that doesn't even make any sense. So, but anyway, all of those come together into one. 
There's ultimately a balance there. Okay, now when it says like, hey, to your several ability, this is what it means. God gives you talents and it's different for everybody because some people he gives five talents to and other people he gives two and another just one, okay? And ultimately, I think the, 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 one of the key things is to recognize what you're talented in and recognize the, the inclinations that God has given you and use those for the benefit of humanity. Now, what do I mean by this? Have you ever met Marty Leeds? He's, he's fucking five foot four with heels on, okay? I'm, I'm short, I'm stocky. Do you really think I'm going to play professional basketball? No, no. There's nothing in my makeup at all that God's going to be like, this white little Irishman is going to play professional NBA. No, that's obviously not my inclination in life. Okay, was I am I am I going to be an open heart surgeon? No, I don't have the patience for that shit. Other people are going to have to do that. I was not given those talents, but the talents I was given, I uh, I um, I went into, I, I fleshed out as much as I could, and I used those to do what I'm doing today. Okay, not everybody's going to do what Marty Leeds is going to do, and, and is doing. And guess what? Marty Leeds isn't going to do what you're going to do. So ultimately, you have to come to know yourself and know those things that God has given you, and and um, develop those, and then give those out to the world. Be in service to the world. You know, like I, I'm a singer songwriter, but you know what? You know, I have decent ability to play guitar, that sort of thing. Not that melodious or whatever, but you know, my my singing voice, eh, not that great. My range, not that great. Not very melodic. You know, uh, you know. Uh, melodious or, you know, that sort of stuff, right? And you listen to somebody like Ryan Adams, when that guy sings, it's like the angels descend from frickin' heaven, okay? He was given a natural aptitude or talent or skill, and ultimately what you have to do is figure what that is out, develop it, and realize that, hey, I can be in service to lots of people because there's lots of people out there that weren't given what I was given. Shit, man, in this life, I was given five talents. This other person was given two. But as you'll see, it doesn't matter what God gives you, you can exponentiate that talent. This is why it's so important as a Gnostic to what? Know yourself. Know your limitations. Know what you're good at doing, what you're not good at doing. Are you going to call Marty Leeds up and be like, hey, could you take apart my diesel engine and put it back together and then we'll drive to Kentucky? Do you want to die? <laughs> like, I, no. <laughs> like, so that's the important thing. Know thyself. This is what it's saying. Heed these words. You who wish to probe the depths of nature, if you do not find within yourself that which you seek, neither will you find it outside. If you ignore the wonders of your own house, how do you expect to find other wonders? In you is hidden the treasure of treasures. Know thyself and you will know the universe and the gods. Okay? It's basically just understanding the talents that you were given and ultimately take those talents and multiply them. And that's exactly what we're going to see. Gives five talents, two and one, and straightway they took their journey. Now, let's look at this. This is crazy. They took five talents. He gave him five, two, and one. That's exactly what it says. Five, two, and one. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to look up the number 521. Okay? Now, this was just one of those just random, like, let's just see. Well, as I came to find, the number 521 is a prime number. It's a prime number. Five talents, two talent, one talent. That means its divisors are one and five, or one and five hundred twenty-one. What number prime is it? It's the ninety-eighth prime. Why is that important? Well, because if you guys earlier it talked about the wise and the foolish, and earlier let's see if I, let me go back here. Earlier we talked about the wise and the foolish, and that how the wise and the foolish those two terms that they repeatedly use sum to forty-nine, which is what seven squared. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one added together. It's the cipher. 
It's the mathematics of the cipher. Okay, except there's two sets of those sevens. So you'd have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, adding to 49, and then you'd do that again. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, adding to 49. Do you know what 49 plus 49 is? It's 98. And we're dealing with what? The 98th prime number. And what is it? It's five talents, two talents, and one. Now, everybody see that? Like I said, a lot of math. Multiple ways in which this entire verse here is encoding the cipher. Now, 521 is also what? Because its divisors are 1 and 521, it's 522. Everybody get that? We could also go rule of Kalel, but 521 also can be 522. Keep that in your head and let's move forward. Five talents, two talents, one talent. Then that he had received the five talents, went and traded with the same and made them five other talents. God gave him five talents in this world and he went out in the world and he's like, I'm going to double this shit, bro. You gave me this, just this little bit, just five measly little things. But ultimately I took them and I'm like, hey, guess what? I recognize that this world is in a world of despair and it's like, it's all, you know, um, everything's going to shit. No, no, this is a world of abundance. This is a world of abundance. So I'm going to take the little I have and whatever God gives me, I'm going to duplicate that. 25.17 says, And likewise, he that had received two talents, two, he also gained another two. He did the same thing. He's like, God, you didn't give me much. You only gave me two measly little talents. All I can do is bake bread and, you know, uh, fix cars. That's all I know how to do in this world. But God dang, am I going to do that well? And I'm going to, I'm going to do a lot of it. Cool. Awesome. No problem. God's going to look at you and be like, good on you. Right? But he that had received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. He's like, oh, I just got this one thing. I'm going to keep it from everybody. I'm not going to be in service to humanity and take that one talent and give it away. And I'm certainly not going to double it or exponentiate it and, you know, make the one be two. I'm going to hide it away. What is the math here that they're also given? Watch this. Then he'd received the five talents, traded, and became ten. Then he, like the rise, received the two, gained another two. Well, what is that? But then, then the one, he, di he took this one talent, and then he, dig it, he dug in the earth and buried it in the earth, and he hid it, which be basically, basically means what? He took the one and then did nothing with it, which basically means it became nothing. He didn't do anything with it. The one just became zero. It's hidden. It's invisible. You mean like zero? Yes. So what is the math that they give you here? The five became ten, the two became four, and then the one was hit in the earth and became zero. That's the numbers zero through fourteen. That's, that's fourteen. That's exactly what we're talking about. The kingdom of heaven being at hand. How many phalanges you got in that hand? Fourteen. Fourteen phalanges. Everybody see that? Five became ten, two became four, one became zero. Hidden the earth, gone. He did nothing with it. Why is this important? There's your, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is exactly what we're talking about. But not only that, 0 through 14, watch this shit. <laughs> 0 through 14. In English Gematria, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Do you know what it equals? It equals 322. Okay, why is that important? Well, I think many people know 322 through skull and bones, and they assume that that's the only meaning that 322 has. 
Once again, stop looking at things through the eyes of psychopaths and start looking at it through the eyes of God. Stop looking at Freemasonry through the eyes of a conspiracy theorist and start looking at it through the eyes of a religious student and things will make sense. Everybody I know, if you said 322, they would say, skull and bones. What the fuck do these people know? I know what they know now anyway. Here's 322. I forget where this is. Um, I should know the verse. But it says, I am and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Do you know what that equals? 322. This, these are the words that Jesus spoke right before he got arrested. This is the last line that Jesus spoke right before they took him. Be like, we're putting your ass on the cross. 322. This is John 14.6. You guys ever hear this one? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You guys ever hear Christians bat that one at you? Thinking, thinking they're all self-righteous and shit? Noise the shit out of me. You know what that equals? 322. So, here's your skull and bones. This is uh, skull and bones, once again, this is, this is basically just the knowledge that they know. But they're, they're, are they putting it out to the world and being in service to the world and exponentiating that truth with love and light in the right-hand path? No. They're hiding it and they're burying it in the ground so you don't know. What's Marty Leeds doing? The opposite. 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 equals 322. This is the skull and bones. This is the, um, and you can even see, they, they mimic the, the compasses and square there, in the, the top one, kind of in the bottom as well. But, and then people see that and they're like, Freemasonry. No, no. As we know, the compasses and squares found all over the world. You can go to China, alchemy, as we just saw in Rebus. What, what they are in possession of, and, and we can know this now, they're telling us, by this. They're standing in front of a clock, by the way. Um, they're in possession of sacred knowledge. And they're not giving it away. They're not, you're, you can't join Skull and Bones. You can't join Bohemian Grove. You can't join any of these organizations. You can join Freemasonry, though. Do you know how many people are on that picture, both top and bottom? 15. Or in other words, zero through 14, being 15 digits. Why is this important? Because this is exactly what the Bible is giving us, esoterically, mystically. Five became 10, two became four, and one was hit in the earth. That's your hands. Okay, let's move on. Oh, I want to make sure I didn't miss anyone. Oh, then it says this. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckon with them. And so he that had five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. It's like, you gave me this little bit and I doubled it. I, I did everything I could with this in the world and I spread more light and love and truth in that world. And his Lord said unto him, this is what he says. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I love that phrase. This, he says, I will make thee, you have been, you're a good and faithful servant. 
You've been faithful over the few things, those little talents I gave you. And because of that, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. What does that mean? This is when it says in the Old Testament, it says, the meek shall inherit the earth. And people are like, what the hell does that mean? The meek shall inherit the earth? Well, meek means submissive. Ultimately, who are you meek to? Men? No. (laughs) Right? No, you're submissive and meek to God. The meek shall inherit the earth. When you inherit something, it means you're going to own it. Okay, this is exactly what they're saying there. It's like, hey, you did a little bit with what you, what what I gave you in this in this realm of physicality, and if you did the right thing of it, if you were a good and faithful servant, you're going to multiply that, and then after that, your reward is going to be everything. You're going to be unified with me, and I'm ruler over many things in this sense. That's exactly what it's saying. This is exactly what it means by the meek shall inherit the earth. If you're submissive to God, you're going to be unified with God, and you're going to own the whole kit and caboodle just like God does. 25.22 says, He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And God's like, hell yeah, bro. He says, 25, 23, his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Okay, now, Pay attention here. What does Jesus say to him? After he says, oh, you did good. He says this, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou has been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He says those exact words twice. Do you know what the English gematria of that phrase is? Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou has been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Do you know what that equals? Do it. He says it twice. It equals 522. 522. Wait a second. This whole parable started with what? Five, two, and one. And what is 521? It's a prime number, which means its divisors are one and 521, which means what? Its divisors add to what? 522. Do the math. Five talents, two talents, one talent. 521? It's a prime, which means its divisors are 1 and 521, which means it equals what? 522. This is also, once again, why the, um, and I'll just mention this here because we've mentioned it enough times, this is why the rule of Kalel comes in so, is so important. It's just one of the many, many reasons why that extra one or that Kabbalistic rule that states that one digit can be added to or subtracted from the gematria value of a word without affecting its value, why that becomes so important. You're seeing it right here and there. Boom. 521. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. 522. Bang. Bang. So let's go back. Uh, I want to make sure I didn't miss anything here. Um, I'm at the wrong one. Sorry. Boom. So that's, that's how they end, they end that right there. That's 25, 23. Okay. Now, what is it? What are they ultimately saying here? What is ultimately, what is Jesus? What's the message here? Right? What is, first off, when we talk about light, we talk about that lamp. We talk about that, just archaic definition of that light, that lamp, that chrism is what? It's the inner light. It's enlightenment. It's truth. It's spiritual illumination. That's what the archaic definition of light is. Okay? So in other words, what is is being said here? When you are given the golden light of Christ in this world, what are you supposed to do? You're, You're to exponentiate it. You're to square it 
or cube it. Multiply it. That's exactly what happens in the story. Five times five becomes what? Or, you know, multiplies it by two. Five, t- five times two, ten, right? You're, this, in this sense, it's the, it's the spiritual understanding of multiplying the light. Then he, which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art an hard man, that, he was going to be, that God was going to be strict in this sense, about what you do down here. He's not going to let anything pass. No, nothing's going to slide. Nothing. You're not going to get away with shit. And then he says this, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. So he's like, you're a hard man and you're going to reap. You didn't sow anything, but you're going to reap it. And you're going to gather where you have not strawed. What is being said here? God is putting, God is, um, putting forth the place where you have to undergo the great work, where you have to do the great work. And ultimately, what's, what is he saying? Everything is going to come back to God. All of it's going to return back to me. I set the whole scheme up for you to go undergo that hieros gamos, that great work, that sacred marriage that you have to undergo. And ultimately, it's all coming back to me. And I'm just saying, are you going to go, are you going to go, uh, you know, are you going to go reap? Are you going to, you know, you know, do the work, in other words? And then he said, 25, 25, he says, well, I was afraid. And I went and hid that number right there. That tells you right there in this world to not have fear. How many, you know, how many times does it say that fear not, that sort of stuff in the Bible, right? You're not supposed to go into this world with any fear. Because when you do go in this world and you recognize the talents that you give, that, that, that God has given you, and you exponentiate those talents, what I'm here to say is that God will recognize that and will respond. And if you don't do anything with it, if you live in fear, then he will respond appropriately too. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou, thou hast, that is thine. It's in the earth. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. You knew I was going to come and, and, and take it all back. You, I, in other words, you knew you were going to have to answer for the work you had to do down here. And what would you do? You lived in fear and you hid it away. Thou oughtest, therefore, this is amazing. This is an amazing statement by Christ. 25-27, thou oughtest, oughtest, I should say, thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and that at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Think about what he's saying. It's like, dude, I gave you this talent. You didn't do anything with it. You made one, you made one nothing. You hid it in the earth. You lived a life of fear and you didn't do any great work. You might as well have taken that one talent and gave it to the fucking Jews. And then they, in their bankster schemes, could have made a bunch of money on it. And guess what? When I came down, at the end, I'd collect that too. Because it's all coming back to me. Everybody's going to have to answer for everything that they've done down here. So, you did nothing with it, bro. You might as well have given it to the Jews, made a bunch of money, and then guess what? I would have collected that too. (laughs) That's a great statement. That's just awesome. Take, therefore, the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Why? Take that talent from him and give it to them. I didn't miss one, did I? No, I didn't. 
Why? Well, God, that seems so harsh. Jesus, man, you're such a, you're such a jackass here. No, because he knows it's like you take the talent from him and you give it to the guy with 10 talents. The guy that made, had 10 talents, now he's going to have 11. What's he going to do? He's going to make 22. And 22 divided by 7 is 3.142, by the way. It ends literally with a, uh, think, about, think about what it happened. <laughs> give the one talent to the guy that have 10, he's going to have 11, which means he's going to make 22. It started out with five talents, two talents, then the one guy had one talent, but it became zero, which means you had five and two, which is seven. So now this whole parable ends with what? Ah, give the one guy that, that has 10, one, that's going to make 22, and then 22 and seven is 3.142, 25, 22 divided by seven. So... For unto every one that hath shall be given, and hath shall abundance. But from him that hath shall be, not, that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Which is basically everything we're saying. Twenty-five thirty. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And who are the in the outer darkness that are there weeping and gnashing of teeth? All the ones that rejected Christ. and shall cut him asunder and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth and cast ye the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth and shall cast into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oops, I'm going to go. And then he says, 2531, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Let's break apart this one here. The Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then, then, then shall he sit upon his throne, but on the throne of his glory, excuse me. This is the holistic process of you raising that oil, that chrism, that balm, that light up into the Aries, into the ram. This is the, whole, this is the holistic process of that. What's the son of man? As we know, it's the light within man that has to cross that lion's gate in order to get upstairs. What's upstairs? It's the Aries. It's the lamb. It's the ram. It's the lamp. It's the lamb. And it's the Aries, which is the city of God, the Polaris, the pole of Aries. That's the throne which God sits of the most high. So you got that son of man when it comes in the glory, when he recognizes that you've done that great work, all the holy angels with him, what are the holy angels? Well, they're right on your fingers. They're right on your toes. Those holy angels are the ten emanations of God. It's the, nine, the angelic Christian hierarchy, which is nine angels, and then what do you have? The zero. Then they shall, Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and the top of your head in the lamb, in the ram, in the Aries. And before him, 2532, and before him shall be gathered all the nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Notice they're using mathematical terms. We're going to divide now. We're going to divide. We're going to separate just as those hands are separate. And what are we going to do? We're going to separate the sheep and the goats. We're going to separate the people that were on the left-hand path and people that were on the right-hand path. The people that were trying to exponentiate the good, you know, the good and the light and the gold that they were given in this world are the people that are going to bury it. The sheep, of course, are going to rise. We're going to separate the sheep. They're going to rise up to the Aries, the Lamb, the Ram. And what are the goats going to do? That's, of course, that's Capricorn. This is why, once again, 
think about what you do when you pray. You get on your knees, on your goats, and you put your Gemini, your, your two hands together, if you will, those holy angels together in prayer. You unify them into one, and then what do you do? You try to send that energy up to your lamb to enlighten that vessel within you. That's Matthew, what is it, 6, 622, the light of the eye. If, therefore, if the eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light, that whole thing, right? That's exactly what it's talking about. So we're going we're gonna to separate the sheep and zigots. And he shall set the sheep on his right, on the right hand, but the goats on the left. And once again, when we look towards that throne, what's happening? Everything on the right is rising up. It's Aries. It's arising. That's where the light shines and brings day. Okay? This, is, this next one is a really important line, and I think, I think a lot of people will miss just how potent this line is. 2534 says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, the people that did follow his way, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit, there it is again, you will own the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Let's read this again. Everybody that followed my way, the king is going to come to him and say, hey, come on, let's get up here. Come on, come on, love you. Going to give big hugs. Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Inherit, which means you're going to own the kingdom, prepared from you from the foundation of the world. Okay, let's, let's talk about this a second. When you talk about that this, this kingdom was prepared for you, us, at the foundation of the world, this means that when God first started this thing, the process of illumination and enlightenment, what you're to undergo, your spiritual work, was there at the very beginning. In, in, this, in this respect, in the drama of the human experience, the entire reason that this experience was created was for you to undergo this process of enlightenment. Get that? Now, when we talk about the, so from the very, when before God said, let there be light, he had this entire plan in his mind. I'm going to create a place that is a, you know, it's an obstacle course, if you will. It's a place of, you know, constant learning and, and, and uh, you know, you have to go undergo your trials and tribulations. There's going to be that catabasis kind of thing. You got to go under there and you got you to gotta do the great work. This whole scheme was set up before God even said, let there be light. At the foundations of this world, your process of enlightenment coming to God was what the entire thing for human beings was made for. This is teleology. God must have a purpose. What did, what did the Creator, what did our God Almighty create this for? This, that holy marriage, that sacred union, that hieros gamos. That's what it was created for. Apotheosis deification, that's what it was created for. This entire universe, this entire cosmos, and everything speaks of it. From the, from the hands that God put in front of you, to the talents that he gave you, to that pole star that sits in the north. Everything speaks of it. Everything has meaning. Everything points to the meaning of this. The process of man coming to God was founded in the very beginning and is the principal reason for this creation. That's what it means. The foundation of this world, this was prepared for you. Now, when God made, and this is the other thing that people need to really understand, and I hope I get this point across today. When we talk about the foundation of this world, that when God made this world, he made the world and then that was it. He's like, this is how it's going to run. This is what it's going to look like. These are where these stars are going to be. This is going to be the pattern of the sun. This is going to be the pattern of the moon. This is what Mercury is going to look like, etc., etc. When he did this, he did it, and it hasn't changed since. When he said, the Father, come ye blessed of my Father, comma, 
What is the father? The father is, of course, the pater, the patron. Who begets a child, any lineal male ancestor, of course, means father. But father is also sourced from the Sanskrit patar, the Greek pater, the Latin pater, Old Persian pita, which means the father. This is the pater. Um, it's the same as patron, right? Lord, master, one who protects, supports, or encourages. Father, it's a doublet of pattern. Straight up says pattern. Modern English of patron, pattern, an outline, a plan, a model, an original proposed for imitation. Okay? So there's this protector, there's this almighty father in heaven that looks over the patterns in which he put forward. Those patterns that we see in the sky have been there since the very moment that God spoke light. The, the, the patterns of the stars, Orion and Cassiopeia, and you look towards Draco and you get the Big Dipper, those star patterns have been here since time immemorial, if you will. They haven't changed. Genesis tells us this. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters, and God made a firmament and divide the waters, which run the firmament, blah, 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 blah. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs, constellations, signs. And for seasons, what does the zodiac do? It measures the seasons. What also does the zodiac do? Measures the days. What does the, also, what does the zodiac also do? Measures years. And that's for signs. Constellations. That's what the signs of the zodiac. That's exactly what they're talking about. God made those. He put those lights in the heavens. And they have been, what's your, in other words, if you want to see, what did it look like in the beginning of time? Before God said, let there be light, and there was just the blackness and darkness. Close your eyes. Then, after he said light, what did it look like? Look up. Get it? Now, when we talk about this is set for the, since the foundation of the world, this has been here. Do you know why we know this is true? Archaeoastronomy tells us this is true. People talk about this like, oh, there was the pattern of the sun and then things got shifted and this is what causes the ice age and stuff like that. I don't think that's the case at all. Do you know why? Because we have an archaeological record of which we have world ages after world ages after world ages of people building shit. And guess what? All of it is still aligned to. Every single one of them. The patterns that have been put above our head that haven't changed since the very moment God set them down. The very moment that God said, let there be light. This, you know, right after that, day three, whatever you want to say, this is what it's all going to look like. Hasn't changed since. Temple at, Tar temple, this Egypt, of course, temple at Karnak. The, the, the sun still rises right in the center of there. After all of these years, who, how long was that ago was that? Uh -oh. A thousand years ago? Two thousand years ago? Ten thousand years ago? I don't know. However long it's been, same shit. Sun's still rising in the middle of that. Let's look at Chichen Itza, the Mayans. These, these crazy Mexicans down there building their pyramids. What did they do? They aligned everything with the patterns of the sun. And guess what? Still that light and shadow, the serpent, still rises up Chichen Itza. Angkor Wat, same thing. Let's look at Newgrange. How long ago was that built? I don't know. I guess we're never really going to know until we get up to heaven and then God's like, here, you're going to inherit, you're going to know everything, you're going to own everything, and I guess we'll figure that shit out then. Until then, as far as we can say, as far as we can tell, the sun, the moon, the patterns of the stars have all been the same since the very moment that God put them in the stars, put, put them in the firmament. Um, the Quran Palace in Fayyam, Egypt, light shines in the temple still today. Well, if there was any sort of movement of the sun, the pattern, it was going to make bigger patterns or smaller patterns, or maybe the sun did blah, 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 blah. Nope. As far as we could tell, it's been the same pattern since the dawn of time. 
King Ramses, the temple in Egypt, the light shines through that temple still today in the, sol the solstices and equinoxes. You can go to Turkey. There's this, you know, once again, you'll see another, you know, stone patterns. You can go to Germany in the Gosek Circle. Guess what it does? Still maps the sun. Winters and, you know, the, 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 the equinoxes and the solstices still happens. The Maishau, Scotland or whatever, Machu Picchu, it's all the same still is mapping the exact same patterns of the sky however long ago this was built. Serpent Mound, all of those mounds that we've studied, right, the ones I've even personally studied and absolutely show, guess what, they're still mapped, the ones in Wisconsin. I did a whole little documentary called uh, Frank's Hill. Guess what that still does? Maps the exact same patterns of the sun and moon. How about the Anasazi Star Cities? This is, um, what's his name? Ah, I forget what the book is. Oh, it's totally escaping my mind right now. But basically, he you know went went to near the Colorado River there, Utah, Arizona, the like the four corners there, and basically showed that there's entire layouts of cities and it maps Orion. Well, if Orion, if all these stars were like expanding and the universe was moving at you know growing at 220 kilometers per second or some shit, how could this possibly be? Well, of course, it's all bullshit. You know, um, this is from um, this is called the Manja. I don't know how to say that. Mandra, whatever. But this is in, um, oh, where is this? The Malta in the Mediterranean, I want to say. An old site that they, you know, excavated and they're, they're basically uncovered. And guess what it does? Guess what it does? Oh, the light shines in at the temple and it actually maps the rising and the setting of the sun. How old is this? Guess what? It could be a million years old, 10,000 years old, 2,000 years old. But guess what it's still doing? Mapping the patterns that God put in the heavens and hasn't changed since. You can actually see, and they've mapped this very well. Summer solstice, winter solstice, the equinox perfectly maps it. So when you see all of this, and you see the Anasazi star cities, and you see Serpent Mound, and you see all these temples in the solstices and equinoxes, and you just go through that whole process or that whole study of archaeoastronomy and you realize all these temples are mapped, are mapping the stars above, and none of it's changed. What does that tell you? It's exactly what we're saying. Look up, you're looking at the exact same thing that God made on day three. And this is why it's so important to become a flat earther, because this is the bullshit that they teach you. And it's a moon, and it's going around the sun. The moon is going around the Earth, and then because of the gravitational pull and the, the, the bending of space-time and the quantum gravity and the dark matter and the light matter, and then and then oh holy shit! I think oh my god, the universe is drunk. I'm pretty sure the universe is on its like uh, fifth glass of tequila. Ah, so that doesn't make any sense. This is a bunch of damn nonsense, lies from who? Your father, the devil. No. You want to experience your earth? You want to experience exactly what God made you? Go and put your two feet on the cold, hard ground outside, and it's pretty cold today. And you know what you're going to experience? Stillness. You ain't spinning. You ain't moving. You ain't tilted. You ain't flying through fucking space. And all of these cultures were trying to tell us this. Every single last one of them were trying to say, hey, guess what? Those patterns, that Father in heaven has been the same for many, many is for since the dawn of time. And this is all from what? Hey, yo, 2534 says, then the king, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, all those people that did recognize God's patterns, if you will, come ye blessed of my father, the patterns in the heaven. You're going to own the kingdom prepared for us. This entire thing 
is prepared for us. Now, why do they, why do you think they get to, t why do they think they, you know, it, since you were young, you know, um, inundate your mind and just with with all of this stuff now nah, it's meaningless and you're a monkey and you're spinning in space and we're a b b pale blue dot because they don't want you to know that this entire thing was made for us and not only that that there's a purpose to your life and that everything around you has meaning and that and i mean that very seriously from the two feet that you put on the ground to the knees that you used to pray with to the hands you bring together that when you look up at the pole star Then this last bit is pretty awesome. So then he goes 25, 35. For, a, for I was hungered, and he gave me meat. I was thirsty, and he gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and he clothed me. I was sick, and he visited me. I was in prison, and he came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when, when, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink, Twenty-five, thirty-eight. when saw thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee, or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee. Notice these say, we thee. See that? When saw we thee, it's almost like saying, what, 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 what's, the, what's this meaning there? Are they trying to include themselves in this? What are they saying here? Oh, you were a stranger, we took you in. You were naked, we clothed you. You were hungry. What were they doing? They were feeding the Christ within. They were saying, oh, my spiritual life, I was hungry for that spirit. I was hungry for the fucking truth. And you didn't just sit there and just like, well, I, guess, I don't know. I guess I'll never know. No, you went out and you tried to feed it. When you were lost, you, you, know, you, you, know, you did everything you can to try to find, if you will. When you were hungry, you fed it, right? You get, when you were thirsty, it was like, oh, there was nothing going to quench that thirst except what? The truth and light and love of God. And you actually did the work. And these are the righteous that did this. So what were they doing? They were paying attention to their spiritual life. They were when when Christ was being like, "Hey man, I I you, you know, there's this spiritual void and I yeah, you really need to fill it." Were you answering it? Did you do the work? You were feeding your spiritual hungers. You were paying attention to and taking care of spiritual needs. This is what all of this is. This is Christ within you being like, "Feed me. Feed me. I'm thirsty. I need that truth." And the king shall answer and say unto him, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. What does that mean? It's exactly what we talk about all the time. I don't need to put a bunch of graphics on this screen to show you the monad and all of this other stuff. And it's the very things that people that are followers of Judaism don't do. Look at you as an equal. That means if you hurt the, the smallest being, guess what you did? You did that to Christ. That's what you did. If you take care of even the smallest of you, then guess what are you going to do? You're going to take care of that Christ. You're going to nurture that light within you. And the people that did all of the harm to, the, to the, the least among them and that sort of stuff, God's like, what do you think? What do you think God's response is? Do we even really need the rest of the chapter? <laughs> 2541. Then shall he say unto them, on the left hand, those foolish ones, depart from me. You're cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, we talk about everlasting fire. 
this is not meaning that you're going to burn for eternity. That's not what it means. That doesn't mean it's like, well, you screwed up in this life. That means you're going to, God is such a loving, caring, compassionate God that he's just going to burn you for eternity. Does that make any fucking sense? No, it doesn't. No. What is the everlasting fire? It's a place in our cosmos in which souls will go that's always on fire in this sense. It will always be there to what does fire do? Purify the vessel. That's why, you're, that's why we, we baptize in fire and water, do we not? That's what we do. Because we ultimately have to burn away all the nonsense and cleanse. You didn't do it here. You had the chance and you didn't do it. So now there's going to be a place in which you go and, well, God's going to do it for you. And then guess what? You're going to be put back on this earth, do it all over again. And maybe this next time, God gave you, in the life that you, you didn't do the work, Right? He may have gave you five talents and you, and you buried those talents and you didn't do anything with them. Well, guess what? Maybe the next life, he's only going to give you two. But guess what? You could make that two into four. Or maybe he's going to give you five and you'll, put, you'll make it into ten. But ultimately, the, the place of everlasting fire doesn't mean you're going to punish for eternity. That's not what it says. It's a place. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, into everlasting punishment, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devils and his angels, cast into everlasting fire. It's not saying you're going to be there for eternity. It's everlasting because this is a place that always has to exist in order because there's going to, because we're on earth and there's lots of people that come down here that don't do their spiritual work, which means that soul is going to have to be purified, put back into another body, and you got to do it again. Okay? This is what... Um, fire that shall never be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. It just means a fire that's everlasting because there's always going to be souls that need to undergo purification, and they have to go south for that. This is the lake of fire. It's a lake. Purification. Water. Fire. Purification. Two feet cast into hell, and the fire that shall never be quenched, and the fire is not quenched. To be cast into the hell fire, this fire is not quenched. That's what it means. Okay? And then it says once again, for I was and hungered and he gave me no meat. You were not fulfilling your spiritual life. There was all these questions you had and you were all seeking all these, all these answers in the, or all these questions of the world and all these things that you needed to suss out and, and all the morality that you had to align with and all the balancing of your spiritual work you had to do and all the purification. You didn't do any of it. Christ was in there being like, come on, dude, feed me. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. But you didn't give him anything. You didn't respond. 25, 43, I was a stranger and you took me not in, naked, and you clothed me not, sick and in prison and you visited me not. Christ was imprisoned within you and you never once went in and be like, what's up, bro? What do you have to say to me? Can you lead me out of this place? Can you help me with this, this, this spiritual work I got to do? Of course he can, but you never went in there. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when we saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee, then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of thee, ye did it not to me. Again, same thing. Basically, all of this is just recognizing the spiritual quality that we all have, and that when you have those talents, you have to go out and give them to the world. And if you don't, it is, it's a spiritual crime. Absolutely. God gave you those talents. They're all gifts. All of it. It's all a gift. Mine, 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 mine. That's going to lead you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, anyway. I think you get it, right? So then it ends with this. Ready for this? 
2546, this is the last verse. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And there's even the colon there to separate those. So we say, hey, there's going to be the people that did not feed Christ within. They left him hungry. He was, he was cold. He didn't give him any clothes. Those people, they're going to get what they deserve. They're going to go into that place where they're, oh, you didn't purify it here? We'll purify it below then. You're going to end up here. But the righteous ones, the ones that were sitting on the right-hand path, they went into life eternal. They unified with God. They inherited the earth. Now, so that's the last verse. And it says very clearly that there's people that are going to go south into the lake of fire, and then there's people that are going to go north up to Polaris. This is what the gematria is of this last verse. Pay attention. And, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. <clears throat> and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. This gematria total equals 315. Now, first and foremost, we can talk about that rule of Kolel, where you can add or subtract one to get the, you know, to get the answer. Well, if you subtracted one from this, what would you get? You would get 314. You would get pi. You'd get the first three digits of pi, 314. Okay, we'll just say that. But now let's, let's, let's look at this again. So, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, colon, but the righteous into life eternal, which means there's going to be people going north and there's people going south. This is exactly what we have in our celestial cosmology. You know that thing that God placed in the heavens in the very first moments of time on that third day, if you will? Life eternal, that's that north celestial pole. That's the Aries of the pole. That's the pole Aries. That's, the, that's that lamb and that lamp and that light that's within your head that's correlated directly in the axis moody to what? The north. That's life eternal. That's where God is. That's where Christ is singing the songs of Moses and the songs of the lamb. Down below is everlasting punishment. And that's where you'll go and you'll have to, once again, you'll have to go through that purification. You'll end up back on the plane of earth. What separates those two things? It's the zodiac. As you can see, the zodiac goes up and it goes down. And it goes up and it goes down. And it represents what? The pattern of the sun going up and the pattern of the sun going down. Does it not? Okay. So that's exactly what's going on. So this is the verse. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous of their life eternal equals 315. And the very thing that separates... Life eternal and everlasting punishment is what? The ecliptic. It's the zodiac. Do you know what the zodiac equals? Oh, wrong thing. You know what the zodiac equals? This is the gematria of the zodiac. Aquarius, Pisces, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, and Capricorn equals 315. 315. That's the zodiac. It's the 12 houses of the zodiac. The signs that God put in the, in the heavens. And what do we have here? That's the very thing that separates those on the right-hand path and those on the left-hand path cosmologically. It's right there. Everybody see it? That red line's the zodiac. The whole verse is 315. Gives you the very distinction between separating north and south. And then it even gives you the math of the zodiac. 12 houses equals 315. The Zodiac, I'm just going to throw this on the screen and let you guys chew on this slice of pie. The Zodiac is a 16-degree belt. It's a 16-degree belt. It's 8 degrees above the ecliptic, 8 degrees below the ecliptic, basically making a 16-degree belt. You can look that up. 
Well, the zodiac, the word zodiac equals 16. As you can see right there, 1, 2, 4, 5, 1, 3 uh, equals 16. And if you add together the gematria value of the 16 digits of pi, which is 3.14159265358979, it equals, you can do all the math. I, I encourage you to do all the math. I've given you a gematria calculator that you can do this. You can write it all out, and you can absolutely prove this to be true. The 16 digits of pi, just as you speak them, 3.14159265358979, equals 315. 315. Life eternal, everlasting punishment. What's the separation between those? It's 315. It's the zodiac. It's 315. Do you know what the first verse that Jesus says anything in in the New Testament? The first time Jesus speaks, do you know what verse it is? Well, it's Matthew 315. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Amen, Jesus. Amen. And this is why across the world, and this is why it's just like it's so important, it's infinitely important that you um, understand where you are in your cosmology. You understand flat earth. Because then, uh, then you'll get lot, you'll be like the cosmos. If you don't understand it, you'll be drunk. You'll you'll be on your you know, that's you know, you'll like uh, you're, you'll be on six Long Island iced teas. Is what I'm saying. It's important to understand that because then you understand where you are and you understand the patterns above. It's also important to understand that the Bible is not a history book and it's not literal. Why? Because then you can go to temples around the world and see they understood it too. Just like Jennifer and I did when we went to Europe and we visited, I don't know, a dozen cathedrals. And every time we went into a cathedral, Jennifer can see it now too. It's just, oh, there it is. Oh, there's some zodiac shit there. Oh, there it is again. Oh, there's the, there's the tetramorph right over there. Oh, look at this. There's, there's Pegasus. Oh, there's Draco. Oh, oh, there's Hydra. What's the separating line between eternal punishment and or, uh, you know, uh, everlasting punishment and eternal life? It's the zodiac. What's Jesus surrounded by here? The zodiac. And what's he? Oh, almost always in the center, which is what Polaris. And what's what? What do you see here in the center of there? You have Jesus, and that's a circle and a square, ladies and gentlemen. He's squaring the circle. He's got the 12 disciples around him. The 12 disciples absolutely represent the 12 houses, the signs of the zodiac, which God placed in the sky on that third day at the foundation of the world when he decided that he wants one thing of you. And that's not to go to everlasting punishment, but to become a gubbard and rise up to Polaris. And that baby, see, I did it again. <laughs> anyway, so thank you all for watching today. I hope you enjoyed that one. I, I enjoyed the hell out of that one, putting it together and everything like that. So if you'd like to become a good bird and uh, support the fine work that we do here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, you can become a good bird at Subscribestar. You can become a phoenix bird, an Aquila bird, a Sigis bird, or you can become the best bird, the grandest bird of them all. Tommy Pete, my bird. May he rest in peace. Love my Tommy. So thank you guys so much. Uh, snail mail, if you want to send a letter or a card or any donations or anything like that, we really appreciate it. Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And of course, Venmo, buy me a coffee, Cash App, PayPal, Subscribestar, all, once again, all the places that you can support us. And we are streaming on what? What are we streaming on? Are we streaming on Rumble today? Yep. Oh, we've been successful. We, I think we, baby, 
I think we might be getting our shit together. Yeah, I'm getting my shit together. So anyway, we're streaming to YouTube, Rockman, Rumble, and of course, uh, podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, all those places you can get podcasts. Thank you to Content Safe for getting us on BitChute and helping us out. We really appreciate it. Content Safe. So, also, you can get this app, or you can get this these sermons on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. Yes, there is an app that you can go and find out all about our flat stationary Earth and the fact that we're being lied to about it. Why is this app important? Because... This topic and subject is censored like a mofo. It's crazy censored. I've made a documentary that's been seen by millions of people and you can't even find it. You have to like, even if you like look up my name, a lot of times it's like the first thing will come up is Graham Hancock debunking flat earth. Let's have a conversation about that, Graham, shall we? No, that's not going to happen. So this topic is censored like crazy and there's amazing videos to clarify it for you. What does the Flat Earth app do? It actually gives you a source that you can go right to those videos because it basically subverts the whole like Google censorship algorithm shit and gives you right to the meat. And that's it's a, it's a great thing that Dave's doing. And he highlights the sermon. So if you get a chance, Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. And of course, we have the church store uh, books, <sighs> music, Bibles, all sorts of good stuff there. So um, and I think we have some donations we're going to say thank you to, uh, thank you for. And, okay. Um, last week's sermon, and in general, we want to say thank you to our neighbors, John and Leo. We love you so much. Thank you for being so kind to us. Uh, Permy Bear and Jason for helping us put the yurt up, which we should be get up this week. Mr. Topher Gardner. Topher Gardner is going to help, going to come help us out this week. Um, and um, he's going to be my slave. I'm going to enslave him for three to four days. And then maybe I'll let him go. But anyway, no, he's going to come over and help out. So thank you so much, Christopher. We, we love you guys. Uh, Angie Abel, uh, Teague Mackin, thank you so much. Kurt Klingle, uh, Andrew Sutherland, your sermons are the only thing left on YouTube worth my time. Thank you. Uh, I would agree with that. There's not much left on YouTube that I want. Now, there's some good stuff. There's alphabetics on YouTube. We get Chance Brew the Pious over there. At, and cat videos. Of course, there's still some good cat videos on YouTube. But other than that, I pretty much agree with you, Andrew Sutherland. Uh, Chance through the pious over there. There's some good stuff on YouTube. Not much, though. Bruce Hutton, two checks. Um, as always, very interesting. Thank you. And raised a Catholic. Went to the schools for four years. It was fine until the first wife divorced me. Then I was done with them when they rejected me. Wow. <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful church. Glad to have found your message. It makes sense to me. Thank you, Bruce Hutton. Thank you, Mr. Bruce. Uh, Shane Rafferty said, Merry Christmas to the McNallys. I met Mrs. McNally in 1988 in Northern Ireland. Keed Arma. I'm going to say how you say that. Keedy. Oh, my Lord. She was my dad's favorite neighbor, two doors down. I see her big smile in you. We might be, we might be related, actually. So, Bruce Parson, Joshua Crawford, and Daniel Hager. Daniel, always killing it. Alicia Crawford, always killing it. Thank you so much. Andrew Mason, at $10, here's one for each virgin. Thank you so much, Andrew. Jenny G. the Brew Pious from Gartonville. We love you. Mount of Olives, when you mouth the words olive juice, it looks like I love you. Love you guys in the church. Nice. Small Axe, $40 every week for 96 weeks. Brilliant presentations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Christina Banks, five coffee. Happy Hanukkah. How dare you, Christina? <laughs> Jean Vina, little by little for Jen to get her crap together. That's John. You're going to have to keep, you know, you're going to have to keep donating, brother. So anyway, Jeremy Hines, happy rising, my friends. Much love. Thank you so much. Eugene Jacques, Robert Questenberry, Jennifer McLaughlin, 3377. Thank you for bringing the light. Anna Medina, Leah Steele, we love you. David Weiss, 3333. Fuck, 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 fucking awesome. Now put a dollar in the swear jar for Scott's daughter. No, fuck that, Dave. Fuck that shit, fucking... Oh, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Love you, Dave. Carrie Musgrave, five copies. Thank you so much. Brian Rose, 
Thank you so much. Alex Meter, 4314. Thank you. Awesome Sunday sermon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mr. Jared Poole, always killing it. We really appreciate your support, Jared. Thank you so much. J.M. Grassi, 3145. So much pie today. Thank you so much. The absolute, Eric Colsell, the absolute highlight of the YouTube week. Thank you so much, Eric, or Teague Mackin, One Coffee, and Alan Woodward. Thank you so much. And, of course, all the subscribers, all the good birds, we thank you on the Telegram channel. Okay, that's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, we keep this around two hours, and it looks like we've done, we're doing pretty well with that. So that's awesome. So, um, anyway, let's, we're going to listen to a song by, this is by, um, it's really one of the only other channels that are really good on YouTube, and it's it's called 501 Chorus Echo or something like that, but it's homeschooling, and it's by, and I've mentioned this guy numerous times because he's just fantastic, uh, Tommy Bukovac, little Tommy Bukovac. He's also known as Uncle Larry, and he's on YouTube, and this is him and a guy named Judd Hughes. They're professional guitar players, studio guitar players, um, and they're just jamming, and it's a really beautiful piece, so I'm just going to play that. So that's going to do it for us this week, and like I said, next week we'll probably jump into Matthew 26. And then we'll be two chapters, we're three chapters away from being done with Matthew, which is amazing. So, all right, guys, that's going to do it. Have a, have a wonderful week. We love you so much. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. That's going to do it. Let's, uh, let's jam out. This is really sweet, uh, beautiful guitar playing. So I will see you guys next week. And hopefully we'll have better news on our yurt. Hopefully we will actually be in our yurt next week. But we'll see. We're just going to take it as, our, as, as we come. We've pretty much surrendered at this point. So it is what it is. So, All right, guys. Um, that's going to do it. As always, many blessings and much love to each and every single one of you. All right. Let's jam. Mm-hmm.